Triple G and the rest, like an overhand right from Crush Kovalev. The tale of the tape on theboxingrant.com. It's the pound for pound, undisputed kings. It's the tale of the tape, time to enter the ring. The tale of the tape on theboxingrant.com. Welcome back to the tale of the tape. What up, what up, fight fans, and welcome back. To a very special Mayweather versus Pacquiao post-fight edition of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast. I'm your host, Kenny Keith of TheBoxingRant.com, and back with me for episode 48, my co-host and partner in crime, Vince Cummings. What up, Vin? What's going on, buddy? Looks like we all uh, survived the spectacle that was Mayweather Pacquiao, huh? Yes, we did, and it is episode 48 of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast in honor of of Mayweather's perfect 48-0 and 0 record. Yeah, pretty nice how that worked out. Yeah, that was uh, uh, pretty good fortuitous timing indeed. So it was a spectacle. The lead into the fight, Mayweather versus Pacquiao from the MGM Grand Garden Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada, was nothing short of a gigantic, gigantic shit show. But sure enough, before we get to this very special post-fight edition of the Tale of the Tape, a few announcements we will be previewing Canelo Alvarez versus James Kirkland a little bit later in this show. And I want to be sure to tell all our listeners out there, again, we are live every Sunday at 3 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time with brand new episodes of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast, which you can listen to streaming live on TheBoxingRant.com. And be sure to drop by the website for all the archived episodes of the Tale of the Tape and you can also follow us on Twitter, Vince Cummings, at Vince Cummings 81, and myself, Kenny Keith, at Kenny Keith Jr. Visit us on Facebook, Instagram, and you can find the show on iTunes and TuneIn Radio. We are all over the place, but let's get right to it with episode 48 of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast from Las Vegas, Nevada for the mega fight, the fight of this generation anyways, as Floyd Mayweather squared off against Manny Pacquiao for pound-for-pound supremacy and for a million-dollar emerald-encrusted Suleiman special. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. WBC trophy of all trophies, straps of all straps, blah-bitty-blee, blee-bitty-blah-blah-blah. All right, let's get right to it, man. So before the fight, there was a little bit of a tussle, man. Uh, Twitter exploded, and I literally found myself captivated, mesmerized, and addicted to a fault to this drama show that happened with Rachel Nichols and Michelle Beadle before the fight. Did you hear about this? Yeah, yeah. It's it's crazy stuff, man. I mean... You wonder what's true and what isn't, but I mean... Uh, God, it just seems a little ugly, doesn't it? I, I'm going to have to lean towards the credible journalists on this. Yeah, yeah. And uh, not so much the... Uh, um, you know, the public relations side of things, especially as, as it pertains to a Heyman-advised employee where the number one priority of a Heyman-advised employee and any function that falls underneath the shroud of Heyman boxing 
is control the narrative at all costs. Oh, of course. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, come on, man. It, 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 it was pretty clear that the uh, Mayweather Promotions side of this was just backpedaling. I couldn't believe how big it became. And it was definitely part of the lead-in to this show, I mean, to the fight. And you know what? We really didn't know. I think there was an assumption at some point in a very dull and vanilla promotion that something was going to have to give. There's going to have to be some kind of drama right. on the day of the fight. And it just turned out to be this, which was, you know, I guess <laughs> pretty much unexpected. Yeah, I, well, I was going to say that it's really, I mean, when you break it down, it's not surprising that that happened. But it's not. You, you, you expect that from these, from these people. That's how they handle things, man. Yeah, absolutely. So sensitive. So damn sensitive. Yeah. And um, ridiculous. Yeah. All right. So let's go ahead and just fast forward right until, uh, you know, coverage of the fight starts, right? So I had ordered my pay-per-view, I don't know, three or four days ago. Yeah, um, yeah, that's what I did. You know, and I didn't, I didn't order it with any intention of there being a problem with, you know, pay-per-view purchase overload right. um, on their end at all. I mean, I just did it because I just wanted to get it out of the way. I set my DVR in advance, mm-hmm. you know, try to get things squared away. Well... Sure enough, and it wasn't an issue here in the Washington, D.C. metropolitan area, which is pretty much um, a dual monopoly between Comcast and Verizon. Mm-hmm. But people with Time Warner and AT&T like, all over the country were having problems purchasing the fight. Steve Kim from UCN Live put out a tweet. I don't know, maybe around 6 o'clock when the coverage started. They didn't go live from the arena until after 8 o'clock. Right. Um, but when they started doing the replays of all the bio stuff, all the documentary stuff, Steve Kim sent out a tweet basically saying, um, people inside uh, this production are telling me that you better order your pay-per-views as soon as possible. So they knew that this was coming. Um, the fact that... HBO and Showtime didn't get out in front of this that you know that a journalist whose credentials had been denied for the fight because of saying sensitive things about Floyd Mayweather which just so happened to be journalistic truths right. in, in articles gets denied a credential yet he's the one that breaks the story that um, this is going to be a gigantic cluster, you know what? You, uh, I just can't believe that there is not a plan in place beforehand for these companies to be able to to handle this situation. It's a complete joke. I mean, you're, you're talking about what they're, what they're saying is going to be the, the grandest pay-per-view ever, the granddaddy of them all. How are you not able to handle the load that's, that's expected to make that pay-per-view that? It's just, I don't know, man. It seems just horrible. It does. Yeah, yeah. Um, and needless to say, I, I wasn't exactly sure who was being affected and not. And a, a couple people that, uh, that I follow and that, and, and that follows at the boxing rant on Twitter were sending me pictures of their um, their television screens basically being locked out by the pay-per-view system. Jesus, man. Yeah. Oh, how furious would you have been if you had to deal with that? I'm waiting, you know, and we'll we'll get the stories about the about the numbers and the buys and all this stuff in the next couple of days, but I'll be curious to see if there's actually people that paid for it and never got the fight. Oh, and, yeah. And whether or not they're going to be uh, reimbursed for it. No, but they're, they're definitely going to count those as buys no matter what. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> That's all that matters yeah. to them. You know what I mean? But, yeah, I'm under uh, the... Uh, uh, the assumption, I think it's a safe assumption, that once the once the money is uh, is wired into Mayweather's account, you ain't getting it back. Oh no, no. Yeah. So yeah, pretty soon it'll be uh, at the expense of a YouTube video of Floyd lighting your hundred dollars on fire. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. All right, so let's get to the fight festivities. So one thing I noticed, we'll get to the undercard fights after the main event, but one thing I noticed was there wasn't much in 
during the undercard of them going back to the, uh, the dressing rooms. I was really, really surprised at how little footage there was of the two fighters leading up to the fight. Yeah, that, that was kind of interesting. You know, I didn't notice it. Now you bring it up. I was like, yeah, they only had, they showed like one shot of them yeah. with their hands wrapped, and that was it. And at one point, they showed a shot. Like, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking about it at the point that I noticed it, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, hold on a second. Is that Manny's wrapping his own hands? And I was like, hold is this from. Is this footage from a different fight? Right. Because Roach was in Mayweather's locker room watching him wrap his hands. Man, he's just sitting there wrapping his own hands. Yeah, that is interesting. And how about them wraps on Floyd's hands, man? Oh, Those are pillow wrapped, aren't they? Yeah, man. That's exactly what it looked like. It looked like he took two plush, uh, you know, body pillows, right. folded them in half, and then wrapped them in gulls. <laughs> Jeez, man. There, there's nobody that wraps their hands like that, man. Yeah, well, you know, he admitted in the post-fight that he's... He, you know, re-injured his hands during uh, during training yep. and you know, needed to protect them. So Floyd's first interview with Jim Gray, it was pretty interesting. Uh, Floyd's laying on the couch, and it looked like Jim Gray was kind of in the position that maybe you would expect your wife or your girl to lean in for some. You know what <laughs> right. I mean? Right. And Floyd was kind of leaning back like, why is he leaning in on me like this, right? Your, your breath hot, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, Floyd was clearly agitated. Yeah. He did not want to do that interview with Jim Gray. Mm-mm. He made it clear a few days before the fight that he was tired of answering the same questions over and over and over again. Uh, yeah, I can't imagine having to deal with that and keep a straight face, those two guys dealing with the same exact yeah. question. You've been, and not to mention just for the week and lead up, uh, talk about five, six years before that. I mean, these questions have been f- forever. Nonstop, yeah. nonstop. Um, he was agitated. His voice was cracking. He seemed nervous, um, which I'm sure he was. He was about to go in and fight his, mm-hmm. his, his career-long foe yep. um, in a fight that, Nothing's been more anticipated, at least um, in the last 20 years of boxing anyways. And, um, you know, basically just straight up admits to Jim Gray, yeah, I don't, really don't care about boxing as much as I used to. That was shocking. Yeah, that was a little weird, like very weird timing to say that, Floyd. I, yeah. You know? But, you know, it's. I think it's pretty clear his change of demeanor, his change of attitude is showing that he is directing his focus on future business. He knows that he cannot continue to be the precocious, flamboyant, obnoxious, mouthy Money Mayweather if he is going to be able to do business moving forward. The one thing you do notice about Floyd Mayweather, and it has a lot to do with his history of domestic violence, is that he has very few, if any, if any, sponsorship deals with any name brands. And he's been rocking Reeboks his entire life and has never had a contract with them. Yeah, that, you're, you're exactly right. I mean, he's, he's just a commodity that you can't touch. There's too much that comes with it. Exactly. There's too much liability. It's just, yeah, you stay away from that. But to be able to make money moving forward, he's going to have to have those kinds of relationships. Oh, yeah. Especially since he's going to be focusing on promotion, uh, his promotional company moving forward and as we know, what comes with being a boxing promoter is you need sponsors. And without sponsors, you're Al Heyman. Yeah, well, they also <laughs> they also need a lesson in promoting fights, too, because... Yeah, and, you know, maybe they'll learn, you know... I don't know if the advice is going to be coming... If that's uh, in the advisory scope of services contract that he has with Al Heyman. Because we've <laughs> right. seen how successfully... Uh, um, Heyman has been putting on the, uh, the One Iota show. I mean, the PBC shows. Right, right. All right, so Floyd's hands were being inspected inspected by Roach. Roach tries on the gloves. He has another opportunity to try on the gloves again after the hands are wrapped, so he does so. He made a comment in the pre-fight to the New York Times in an article saying that these were 
some tiny gloves, and he was not sure how Floyd was going to be able to get his hands inside of them. And then once we saw the pillow wraps, um, it was pretty clear that his hands were not going to be fitting into the original gloves. He submitted two pairs of gloves. The other set of gloves that he submitted were actually like a paisley print, similar colors like the red and purplish colored gloves, Mm -hmm. um, but were definitely smaller. So he went ahead with his typical Grant gloves for the fight, right? um, which made sense anyways. So I digress. Um, We go to Pac entering the ring with Jimmy Kimmel dressed as Justin Bieber with a Pac Eats Money shirt on. And (laughs) the funniest part to me, when I saw it, I started cracking up laughing. Yeah. Was watching Kimmel was bouncing at the same pace as Pacquiao behind him, like he was getting ready to go in for the fight, dude. I was cracking up. Yeah, man. that was really, really funny, man. Yeah, uh, Jimmy Kimmel's a trip, dude. Uh, Floyd was walking with Bieber, but this time Bieber wasn't dressed as a pouty lesbian. He was dressed. <laughs> he was dressed in a business suit, right? Um, which was always, uh, uh, you know, I guess that was better than seeing him in his normal attire. Well, they're, him and Floyd are brothers in arms now into the business world, right? Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I guess so. But Bieber, man, he's still that 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 look on. It's like, come on, man, smile, dude. Yeah, it's like you, you're you're not tough. All right, no, dude, you're rich. <laughs> right, and. Most notably, okay, it was Jimmy Kimmel, and then walking behind Floyd was the Burger King. <laughs> what, what was that all about? I don't know. I guess somebody sponsored Floyd. <laughs> Burger King did. Right. Oh, man. Either that or it was like a Halloween costume they had laying around. He told one of his bouncers, wear this. It's good luck. <laughs> <laughs> right. Manny looked very happy, very relaxed, bouncing around, smiling. Buffer announces Manny in the crowd chants, Manny, Manny, Manny. Floyd pacing, getting booed. During his intro, the tones were set. We lay so much into these initial tones coming into the ring. And it's always the same with Floyd. Floyd looked uncomfortable during Mayhem. When he was walking out during Mayhem, he was standing there by himself. And everybody's like, where's Bieber? He looks uncomfortable. He looks uneasy. He looked nervous even in the first two or three rounds of that fight. I I thought he looked nervous at the weigh-in. Yeah, exactly. And then sure enough, as soon as he got in the ring... It was business as usual with Floyd. So let's get to the opening bell and start of this fight. The bell rings and Floyd comes out and immediately controls the pace in this first round. I was very, very surprised at Manny's lack of aggression in this opening round. Yeah, my my first thought after the first round was, I guess Manny's looking to set him up for some type of shot or he's waiting for an opening because... That was not a typical Manny Pacquiao first round. No, I mean he was standing flat-footed. Yes, and man, and you know I've never seen, I've never seen Manny in a fight stand flat-footed like that. Nope, ever. No, nope. and you know one of the things we talked about in the preview, and a lot of people were talking about this, is how, you know, we thought the difference in this fight, which was going to make it ultra competitive, was that Manny was going to be different in regards to his his footwork, that he was going to come in and attack from angles, and that the number one thing that, that he could not do in this fight was allow Floyd to lure him to sleep, allow Floyd to force Manny to come in straight at him. And from this very first round told me, I was like, man, something's going to have to give here, or Manny's going to be in deep, deep trouble. Coming into the second round, Manny was more aggressive. Floyd was very quick to hold in that second round. Uh, Manny exploded two or three times, and Floyd grabbed him immediately. Bayless was extremely slow to break them up. It was like fight out of it. There was no fighting out of it. Floyd had him locked. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, he, you're right. He had him locked, and he was kidney punching him on the opposite side that Bayless was. Um, so we move into the third and the fourth round. Manny was catching Floyd at the end of the third, which translated over into an explosive fourth round that found me as a fan jumping out of my... I guess I wasn't in a seat. I was kind of laying on the couch. But <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, dude, had me had me wiling out. And yeah. it was me fanboying and at the same time, action, excitement. Right, exactly. It, it looked like at that point you went, all right, Whatever Pacquiao was trying to do in those first couple rounds, he said, screw it. I'm going to be Manny Pacquiao now. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Fifth round, Floyd was, you know, some people will call it running. Some people will call it dodging. He was trying to control Manny's pace. Yeah. You know, and at this point in the fight, you know, coming out of that round, Floyd has always been, always been the best in this sport at being able to immediately turn the momentum of a fight. Right. Immediately. Yep. He learns, he realizes exactly what happened in that last round. Because if Floyd did not make an adjustment there, this may have been a short night for Floyd Mayweather. Yeah, yeah. Um, we go into the sixth round, and Manny was all over Floyd again on the ropes. And you know what, Vin, to be honest with you, we're at the halfway point in the fight. I got it scored 57 to 57. I got it three rounds apiece right here. But this was the turning point in the entire fight. Yep. Floyd comes out into the seventh round, his mouth dripping blood. And I'm sitting here thinking to myself as I'm looking at my scorecard, and I'm saying to myself, I'm like, I'm like, oh, my gosh. I was like, the next six rounds of this fight, I mean, we got a, a real, real honest chance to get to that split decision one way or the other that you and I were talking about. Right, right. Yeah, it looked at that point, it looked like, okay, this is going to go one of two ways. Yep. And, you know, this is going to be the round where it happens. Uh, and, and, look, it's just – Typical, typical Mayweather, man, yep. is, is, is all you can say for it. In the seventh round, Floyd began to control the entire range of this fight. Yep. You know, for the next three rounds, it was Floyd, pitter-patter, one, pitter-patter, two, punch, roll out, punch, roll out. Um, you know, you and I have talked about this time and time again. F- Floyd... I give him more credit when I'm judging a fight for his ring generalship than I ever do for his effective aggression. Oh yeah, it's all it's all generalship, uh, uh, distance control, and yeah, it's not it, you're not scoring anything based on power punching. No, with him. no, it's all pitter patter and accuracy. And um, but here's here's my problem when it comes to these guys announcing this fight. Announcers tend to get so mesmerized with Floyd in the ring. Oh yeah, and they begin in in. in them becoming so mesmerized by what he's doing. They lose track of the fact that Floyd doesn't get 10 times as many points per punch than the person that he's fighting against. You got two guys in the ring with two different styles. You got one that's hell bent on accuracy and ring generalship. And the other guy is going to try to make the other person feel uncomfortable with volume punching. And the accuracy is not going to be there. But the attempt in throwing in volume is to disrupt and hopefully injure. Right. Right. Um, so I'm not giving I'm giving Floyd these rounds based off of sheer ring generalship um, mm-hmm. and effective aggression. Yeah, you're, you're definitely right. No, he and yeah, from seven on, he he took control. Man, seven, eight, nine, ten were were all well, not ten. Ten was scored unanimously for Manny. Actually, you're right. Yeah, I have ten for Manny too. Uh, uh, across the cards, no, but it was seven, eight, seven, eight, and nine. Right, seven, eight, and nine, uh, where, where Floyd was in complete control of the fight. Manny came back in the tenth, far more active. And at this point in the fight, I got Floyd up by two rounds in this at 
at this juncture. Um, I'm scoring the fight at this point, 96 to 94. Um, the 11th round, Floyd came out and scored, um, just c- completely controlled this round. Yep. And I thought to myself, too, you know, maybe it was a little bit of assumption on Floyd's part. I know he felt comfortable. I, it was obvious, right? He gives the appearance in there. And, uh, towards the end of that fight, he just looked like it was easy work now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I thought that maybe he should have continued that into the 12th, and he didn't. No. You know? It was a typical Floyd, I got this thing in the bag. I think everybody had the feeling at that point, whether you were fanboying one way or the other, right. that Floyd had this thing um, you know, in, in, in relative control. There were people that scored it, you know, uh, respected boxing writers, Vin, that, that scored the 12th round for Floyd, right, and that scored it for Manny. And, and I think it's a matter of perspective, right? Yeah. Manny was clearly gun-shy, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay. He was afraid of uh, of, the, of the one punch. For a fighter that needed to close big time, he just yeah. didn't have it. Right, but Floyd didn't do anything either. No. Floyd tried to give the round to Manny. Yeah, he did. So in that case, I score the round. I'll always score the round for the guy that needs, th- that is tr- at least trying to do something. Right. I'll, I'll never score a 12th round. And you typically don't either score 12th rounds for people no. that are trying to avoid losing. Right. No, that, 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 that does not warrant winning a round. You're right. No. So what was your final scorecard for the fight? My final scorecard was 117-111. Now, I have a, you know, a swing round where it could have gone to Pacquiao. So 117-111, 116-112 is, is the range that I saw that fight at. Yeah, and that puts you right in between nestled snugly in between the judges' scorecards. Mm-hmm. The judges scored the fight 116-112 times 2 and 118-110. to 110. Um, In a fight where you have a runner, um, an athletic outside boxer like Floyd Mayweather and a, uh, a fighter like Manny Pacquiao attacks, I'm always going to give the benefit of the doubt to the guy who is uh, effectively making effort. Right. The problem with this fight was is that you didn't have to be a boxing genius. You didn't have to have so much experience watching it. This was very much in the same regard that the feeling that I got when I watched Lamont Peterson versus Danny Garcia. Right. To me, it felt like Lamont Peterson clearly won that fight. Yep. To me, it felt like Floyd Mayweather clearly won this fight. I scored at 115-113 for Floyd Mayweather. Mm-hmm. Regardless... It didn't matter. Right. Floyd won the fight. Yeah, yeah. There was no. I mean, that, that score is fine. I could see that 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 score coming out for sure. It, it's Floyd won the fight. However, you want to score it. Sure. One fifteen, one thirteen to one eighteen, one ten. I don't care. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I thought the one eighteen, one ten was a, a little ridiculous. I, I I did because yeah. you know that is scoring for what Mayweather does, and right. you know we we can. I don't know, man. You know, you and I can tap dance around this conversation. We can, we can dive headlong into it. We can beat the dead horse. I think that uh, some of these Vegas judges, especially the ones that have, that have judged the Floyd Mayweather fights the most, they get lured into what they think today's boxers um, should be scored for. We we had this conversation before we went on the air. You know, Sugar Ray Leonard. Um, and and boxers of previous eras, the ones that we consider to be the great boxers, and even. Somebody on this scorecard, like Vasil Lomachenko. Yep. Boxers, to me, utilize space and are constantly peppering their opponent, keeping them off by peppering them, by throwing combinations, by darting in offensively here and there. All around, you know, not necessarily the guy that's going to come in there looking for the knockout. You know, Ray Leonard didn't go into fights necessarily saying, I'm going to knock this dude out. He was going to break you down and beat you. 
in every aspect of the fight. Yeah, the, he was the, the fighters were more well-rounded back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, nowadays, you got guys that win with one style. Fighters back then, like Sugar Ray Leonard, yeah. could fight in in a myriad of different styles. Whatever yeah. whatever he needed to do, mm-hmm. it was not just counter punch and defense. No. It, it was uh, anything you needed to win a fight. He could he could break it. He had the tools to do that. Yeah, I mean, you know, a perfect example of that was the success, and it may not have been the right decision. In Leonard Duran one, right? You know, he came out and he just was like, "Whoa, what's he doing?" Yeah, he, he's standing there flat-footed, yeah. you know, trying to go toe to toe with uh, Manos de Piedra. Yeah, a, a young man trying to prove his toughness is what that was. Yeah, absolutely. And but but it goes to your point. The guy had, you know, he he could fight how he needed to. Right. You know, I I think that Floyd can fight however he needs to. I I do believe that. Right. He just doesn't need to. Because Manny didn't give him any reason to do that. No. You know, Manny could have used footwork in this fight. He could have been more lively and more bouncy. Okay? We can take a million things from this fight. But I'll tell you right now, Floyd Mayweather was the same. Oh, yeah. Okay? Manny lost this fight more than I think Floyd took this fight. Because Manny did nothing to adapt. No, I'll agree with you 100%. And it's just... It was the lowest punch output we've seen from him, and mm-hmm. I don't know how long. I mean, very surprisingly low. When I saw that number at the end of the fight, I was like, whoa. 429 punches thrown. He usually throws between seven and 800 did, punches. Did Floyd out-throw him by like a handful? Six, six punches. Yeah, that, I mean, the fact that Floyd was able to out-throw him is... Ah. That's the difference in the fight. Yeah, that's it, 200 more punches, and we're talking about a different story here. Absolutely, absolutely. There's no doubt in this fight, man, and you can say, in, in, in my view, you know, Manny, Manny shook Floyd a couple times. He knocked Floyd back into the ropes one time with a monster shot. He, Floyd's lucky he was going with that punch. Oh, absolutely. Because he it pushed him back into the ropes. If he was coming any bit of forward or standing still, uh, it might have been lights out. Yeah, no, there's no doubt about it, you know. Um, the thing was is that that aggression stopped, and yeah. I will point to this, and I think that most people that have followed Manny's career close enough, right, that there's no doubt in my mind in these final rounds, and I scored it more in the favoritism of Manny Pacquiao, right. even though I I've, I've clearly, clearly concede Floyd won this fight, hands down. But in those final rounds you know, of this fight, um, that Manny did not, he did not attack, he did not continue what he started in the middle rounds of this fight because lingering in the back of his head was Juan Manuel Marquez. Mm-hmm. That knockout had him gun-shy for these final three rounds. Well, And I think he figured out pretty quickly that, okay, this straight right hand got to me a lot faster than a Marquez sure. right hand does. Sure. Yeah. You know, and that's the thing is that Floyd wasn't going to knock Manny out, but Floyd's right hand is accurate enough, landed on the button enough, and is just hard enough, and it lands at range that it stops the, their opponent, his opponents in their tracks. Yeah, it's hard, it's hard enough to make the sweat fly. It ain't hard enough to knock anybody out. No, no, it just stops momentum. Right, and that is the whole key to the ring generalship. Of Floyd Mayweather. Yep, you're he is exactly right. Able to thwart whatever forward momentum you bring. Okay, so the punch stats we just touched on it a little bit. Mayweather landed one forty eight out of four thirty five for thirty four percent, which is very low for Floyd Mayweather. Yeah, yeah, that's the lowest we've seen, and maybe it's six seven years from him. Yeah, and Manny um, landed eighty one of four twenty nine for nineteen percent, and that's along the lines of Manny's punches. And we talked about this. If Manny would have thrown his typical output of say eight hundred punches and landed at that clip, he would have landed 
more punches than Floyd, and we're talking about a a draw at yeah. w- at worst for this fight. Yeah, probably a controversial decision for sure. Okay, Floyd is announced. Okay, it's 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 unanimous. I think anybody that knows anything about this sport, and also those that are just sports fans in general, realize Floyd now takes the title of the undisputed pound for pound king and the best fighter of the era. I will uh, 100% give him credit for that. Yeah, you got to. Okay, Floyd wiles out a little bit on the ropes, climbs up yelling and screaming like we said he would. I told you so. Yeah, so for, I was like, you got to be shitting me. Yep. He actually said that. Yeah, right on point. I told you so. Um, but then quickly went over to give Pacquiao a hug, gave him all the props in the world, you know, told him he's tough as hell, and uh, you know, told him that he rocked him a few times, gave him props. I thought that was great. So let's transition into this post-fight interview. Uh, Max Kellerman. And uh, and and Manny Pacquiao. Um, Max asks Manny what he thought about the fight. Manny responds, "I thought I won the fight." Right. Okay. We're talking about literally about two or three minutes after the final bell has rung in a twelve-round fight, and the most pressure-packed, stressful fight that Pacquiao's ever been in. Right. Okay. Did you? Ex- I guess most people just assume because of Manny's humble nature that he would have just conceded. Okay. Hey, I lost the fight. Um. You know, maybe to to Manny the frustration, just like the frustration that Canelo had, and a lot of the and 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 that Oscar had, the high level, the best fighters that Floyd's been in the ring with, they've all voiced the same frustration. They felt like they won because they were working harder. Right. <laughs> you can't blame them. Yeah. I mean, if you were in the ring staring at the other guy, yeah, he may be punching me and landing clean punches and making me look kind of silly at times, but. Yeah, I mean, look, that, that that's just how it goes, man. I mean, this was not, but people, I mean, maybe it was just the alcohol flowing and the emotions after the fight or whatever. Oh, yeah. I was pretty resolved, so I was pretty calm about it after the fight. This was not Julio Cesar Chavez's post-fight interview that he had the other day. No, Completely no, no, lost and no. delusional, you know? And, but here's the thing is that Max pressed him on it. Here's my problem with this is that when, when Max comes back and basically says to Manny, man, you got your ass kicked and everybody saw it, you know? Right. Um, in his condescending tone. If a fighter doesn't re- if a fighter doesn't answer a question the way that Max Kellerman wants them to the first go around he rewords it and then adds a condescending tone to it like he's talking to an idiot. Here's my problem with Max Kellerman doing post fight interviews. Okay, we understand that he's a pretty arrogant guy in general, right? Yep. But the problem I have is that he does this with Gennady Golovkin. He does this with Sergey Kovalev. Okay, he takes in these post fight interviews with guys that barely speak any English at all. Okay, barely speak any English. And he turns a question that could be as simple as Manny, what did you think about the fight? And just leave it at that to Manny, you know, at times, uh, you know, there was an abnormal amount of punching uh, power and distance. And he was able to keep the distance of his legs wide open enough to keep you on your back foot. Guess. And it's like, you know, Manny at that point is just completely lost what the hell he's saying. Right. So Manny just says, I think I won the fight. I mean, it's like, what, what did you expect him to respond to? He didn't understand what you were saying. Right. But he does the same thing with Triple G. He asks him these long-winded, throws as many large words in as possible under the assumption like, hey, I'm Max Kellerman asking you an intelligent, well-thought-out question. Why aren't you answering it? I'm a top-notch journalist, and I use big words. And Gennady Golovkin's like, uh, <laughs> big drama show. Yeah. You know? It's like... Uh, he was he was a good boy, you know. It's like he, he the guy knows like a hundred words. Right. Uh, I get so frustrated with Kellerman in these post fight interviews, man. I, I don't know. Maybe in his defense, I'll, I'll say this for him. He thinks by by re asking that question that 
hey, man, the, the fans want the answer. Like, answer the question. But it really is, like you said, he does it in a condescending tone and just, it's unnecessary, man. But, but look, guys like Manny Pacquiao and these other foreign fighters, they're not dodging the questions. Right. They just, it's too much. Come on. Sh- yes. Shorten it up and it'll You'll be You'll get the answer if they understand the damn question. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wasn't the only person that felt that way about Calvin's post-fight, man. Oh, was, yeah, yeah. No, I, I don't blame you at all. It, you know, it was, it, was, it was really, really awkward. All right, the press conference, post-fight press conference. This is where I got a little, you know, a little discouraged, man, is... is all right, we get it. All right, Manny hurt his shoulder. He's going to need surgery. Right. Okay. Um, the anti the United States Anti Doping Agency, which Floyd um, pressed on Manny to use for the drug testing before this fight, they approved and allowed Manny to take some you know some sort of um, uh, cortisone shot or right. you know whatever anti inflammatory something exactly. Something and usually those kind of shots are steroid based, but they're not performance enhancing steroids. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, it was allowed. And then there was something about, you know, they said that they tried to ask the Nevada State Athletic Commission if they could use the same thing. And they said no because you didn't report an injury. And they kind of played it off. And Aram started making excuses. And Freddie Roach started making excuses. And you could tell that Pacquiao was kind of like, uh, eh, I don't want to make alibis. I don't want this to be. Yeah, that, you know, definitely seemed that way. And his, But here's the thing, though. Pacquiao is Aram's cash cow. Right. And Freddie Roach is extremely protective of Romani. Oh, yeah, yeah. In definitely. A, in a father-son um, type of relationship. So I get it to that extent. It didn't do any services after the way this fight ended, you know? No, it didn't. It, it made it look bad. It, it, it did. And here's the thing, man, is that Manny's accomplishments, his fate, his, his legacy was signed, sealed, and delivered. You and I both agreed leading up to this fight. Every conversation we've had on and off the air, Floyd Mayweather was the fighter that had the most to gain and the most to lose from this fight. Yeah, this was a fight that defined Floyd Mayweather's career. It's not going to define one way or the other Pacquiao's career, whether he lost or not. Floyd Mayweather says that he will now relinquish all of his titles and let other fighters fight for them. Now, I'm not sure how I feel about it. I don't think it's a big deal. Does he really need him anymore? No, absolutely it's, it's, not. It's completely unnecessary. No, no. I, I thought that this was, um, you know, maybe it was Al Heyman. I think so. You know, but at the same time, um, you know, if if Floyd's going to be a company guy for the PBC and he's going to be a spokesperson for the PBC, and, uh, you know, he'll probably, I think Floyd's going to have, once he retires, have a lot to do with the PBC. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure of it. You know, so that's why they're trying to build up uh, the good graces as they're trying to redefine a lot of people's pasts and their personalities and trying to create new characters for the PBC. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, it doesn't fall in line with what Heyman's trying to accomplish. So it makes sense. And you know what? I never thought that Floyd should have ever been able to hold titles and at 147 and 154. I always thought that that was total bullshit. Yeah, that's just sanctioning bodies, letting him get away with it so they can glom on. If he ever does decide to fight at 154, we're going to make a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, um, so we'll see. We'll see how long that takes, and we'll see when he gives up the uh... – but here's the thing, though. Doesn't, doesn't this – Floyd says he's going to fight again in September. But Does th- anybody care? No, but does – him giving up the WBA belt, I mean, now Keith Thurman is going to be made full full champion, so he doesn't really need to fight Floyd. Right. And now that kind of gives Heyman and Floyd an excuse. Now we don't have to fight Thurman. Here, you can just have it. Okay, so let's get to the next topic. What's next? Mm-hmm. Okay. Floyd says he's coming back in September. He's going to go on vacation, whatever. Okay, what do you want to see Floyd do next? What do you think will happen next? Uh, want I- and... 
yeah. actual. I want him to face Keith Thurman or you know another highly ranked welterweight fighter. Uh-huh. I, what I think is going to happen is if Cotto can win this next fight against Giel, maybe he tries to cherry pick his way into fighting Cotto. I, I don't know if it, you know, it's it's a, a bit of a reach, a bit of a stretch. But Floyd's one of them guys that looks, it's it's an established name. People will watch the fight. Yes, we've all seen it before. Do we need to see it again? No, but I just feel like there's no other really name out there that he cares to get in the ring with. But I, I if, if, if It's not going to be Khan. If he holds true to what he's saying, that he's going to fight in September, finish out his deal with Showtime, then the Cotto fight's not happening the next fight then. You're right, because that, yeah. Be, you know, because part of the deal with HBO doing Cotto right. Gill um, is the uh, assurances that there will be Canelo Cotto in, right. in around that time frame. So that leaves the question. Okay, so, so you're pretty convinced that it's not going to be Amir Khan. Yeah, I mean, well, for one, it's not. He can't do it in September. We've all we've, okay. we've been down that road. So, so you run down the list. I mean, it's Keith Thurman. Well, but here's the thing: is that okay? We talked about the WBA belt situation, right? Mm-hmm. He's going to relinquish these belts. So, is the fight even necessary? Here's the other thing: now, now that Floyd is done, as is, is is finished with Manny, and he beat Manny, now nobody can give him shit about cherry picking his last fight. No, uh-uh. he can do whatever he wants. Yeah, now you're, you're exactly right. You know, he I think he's earned that. And and prior to fighting Manny, I would never give him credit, no. f- or, or 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 even realize or recognize. That Floyd should ever be able to until he fights Manny. Well, guess what? He fought Manny. Yep. So you know there are plenty of fighters in and around um, between 140 and 154 that I'm sure Floyd will have no problem cherry picking. Yeah, he, he'll find somebody for sure. Yeah. Okay. But what do you think about this? Do you think after his Showtime deal is over, um, and do you think that he's going to just rest at 49 and 0, or do you think he's going to try to break Marciano's record and Go for fifty and zero. He's starting to to lead us to believe that. Yeah, I mean it's it's done. At the One last game. free agent fight. You don't think it's going to happen? Well, that and I was going to say I, I think that he's kind of doing that and like letting people know like, hey, this is it. Watch my last fight. You know, you're going to have to. I'm done after this. Right. I, I feel like he's coming back. He wants to be. You think he wants to sit there with Rocky Marciano at forty nine and zero as a retired fighter? Now I think he wants to be fifty and zero. I think he wants to be. That guy that's hey, I was one better than who who we claim is you know one of the better undefeated fighters that 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 retired undefeated. I, he's he's got too much of a, too much of an ego, man. Yeah, no, I agree, and you know, but his tone has changed so much though, you know. Yeah, it has. And and here's the thing: now that he's clearly recognized, before there was always the question. Now now he's clearly recognized as the best fighter of the era. You know, there's no arguing it anymore, no. right? Yep. So maybe he's cool with that. You know, maybe that's all he ever wanted to prove. Look, I acknowledge all of this. That is his title. He is the pound-for-pound pound king, the best fighter there. Well, all unless somehow, some way, he made an enormous mistake and walked into a punch. Right. He's going to retire undefeated. Mm-hmm. I still believe, and I'm not making excuses for Manny, I was listening to the HBO Boxing Podcast this morning, and they both were... Um, uh, Eric Raskin and uh, 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 what's his name Mulvaney. Yeah, and Mulvaney were were both convinced that this fight wouldn't have looked any different ten years ago. I think Manny Pacquiao is a completely different fighter today. I, I don't think he even resembles himself whatsoever. Uh, he didn't resemble himself last night. I'll tell you that. Yeah, and I just what, but it goes back to the aggression thing. Right, it goes back to you know yeah, was he peaceful? Is he happy with his life and where he's at? And that led to 
a more relaxed demeanor. Yeah, absolutely. I just don't think that he even resembles the fighter of old. Now, that leads me into... Well, look, hold on, hold on. Before we talk about Manny's future, um, it doesn't take away from this accomplishment. I'm, no. not, I'm not one of those people that says, oh, well, if they would have just still fight in 2010, it would have been different. Yeah, no. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is it would have been a totally different fight. Right. You, you would have seen a more aggressive Manny, but also Floyd would have been a little bit quicker. I, I think it probably would have played out Close to the same way. Maybe. Right. Maybe. But, but that's just it. Like, I, I'm not saying that I think... That's not my point. I don't, I don't think the outcome would have been different. Right. I think the fight would have been completely different. Oh, yeah. I still think Floyd would have won. Right. You know what I'm saying? But it would have been a totally different fight. Because he's a... Floyd resembles himself... He's still very similar to the same guy he was back in 2010. Mm-hmm. Floyd looked very quick last night. Yeah. Manny didn't look like – he looked like a shell of himself. He did. Okay? Still no excuse. No, it's not. Okay? So let's go to Manny's future. This is what I think that Manny Pacquiao should do moving forward. Okay? Get the surgery if that's what needs to be done. All right? Come back, fight one more year, two more fights at 140 pounds, dominate, and go off into the sunset. Do you, I was thinking last night, you know, who's, who's Bob's ne- next – Biggest up and coming young fighter, Bud Crawford. Yeah, you see, I, th- I think he's gonna maybe you're gonna see Pacquiao and Crawford, and kind of like a De La Hoya fight was to Pacquiao to kind of give him that extra Crawford, that extra push. Sure, and I think that that fight would probably happen at the second half of next year. Yeah, I think you're I exactly think, right. I think Pacquiao's got to come back at 140 um, and beat you know a relatively decent name at 140, mm-hmm. um, and then that'll be the fight, and that that'll be the passing of the torch. Um, and, uh, and that'll be all she wrote. And I think that that's how he should go out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, what, and I think that that's, what's going to happen. That's what I want to happen. And I really think that that's how it's going to play out. Yeah. I think that's, I think Bob's already got that, those plans drawn up right now. Yeah, absolutely. Any last thoughts about, uh, about the fight? You know, I, I hear a lot of disappointment in the fight the next day. People were boring, boring, boring. Look, it, it's Floyd Mayweather. This is this is what you get. He's been doing it for years. I, I'm I'm not the type of person that thinks it's boring. I enjoy watching the the overall boxing ability. Yeah, it's not an action packed fight. I get it, but look, that there's something special about what he does. You know, that style that he's created. That there's just look. This was supposed to be the guy. This was the guy that was going to push him to the limit, and it just was the same as almost any other Floyd Mayweather fight you've seen. Yeah. It's just, it's impressive. Seriously impressive, man. Yeah, no, there's, um, you know, there's no doubt about it. I think we can stop with trying to compare uh, Floyd to Pernell Whitaker and and to Willie Pep. Because here's the thing, man, is it goes back to the conversation we had earlier in the show about how different today's fighters are just in the way that they fight, just in their styles, you know what I mean? Um, and just the way boxing is in general and the opponents out there, right? Right. They're not as well-rounded overall. And, you know, so I think what we need to start doing, and I think it'd be beneficial, the arguments will rage on, but here's the thing. You and I were not watching on television live. We were not live back in the 1940s or the no. 1950s or the 1960s. And to try to compare the different generations, the different weight classes, comparing people pound for pound, the whole, the, the whole conversation – of Mayweather saying that he's better than Muhammad Ali. Like, come on, man. It's like these they're, – they're such ridiculous conversations. Yeah. Trying to rank fighters of all time, let's just do it like this, okay? Mayweather is the best fighter of this generation, right? Yep. And there were 
there was De La Hoya, Trinidad, and Hopkins in the last generation. Yep. You know, and then the generation before that, you know, was Tyson and Holyfield and and Riddick Bowe and Lennox Lewis. Yep. Right. And you go to the generation before that, Hagler, Hearns, Leonard. Mm. These, it's okay to just say who's the best of the generation. I am with you 100%. It is a pointless conversation, man. Pointless. It really is. Like, stop trying to compare the defense of Willie Pep to Floyd Mayweather Jr. Yeah, it's, it's come on. There's completely different levels of athleticism between that time and this time. It's just, there's so many different factors. Yeah. Gloves and just everything. Everything. Yeah. I mean, that's just it. Like, somebody like Manny Pacquiao in his prime. You take Manny Pacquiao from 2007 to 2010. And you drop him back in the 1960s, he probably wrecks everybody. Yeah, that, I, I would think so. You know, when I look when I was when I was younger and I didn't follow boxing nearly as closely as I do today, the conversation would be always posed to me. Like you know, when I was a teenager and shit, like people would always say, "Oh, well, who do you think would win between Muhammad Ali and Mike Tyson?" Understanding the sport better today, 18 years later. And thinking about that conversation, because it goes to what we're talking about right now. Mm -hmm. You want to take a generational thing like that? You want me to be completely honest with you? I think Mike Tyson of 1986, or, early, you know, Mike Tyson. 20-year-old uh, Mike Tyson. 37-0, and 0, like, before he before the Buster Douglas. Right. I think he destroys Ali. I, think he, I don't think Ali makes it out of the first three rounds. I don't. But at the same time, if you take Muhammad Ali, if you take Muhammad Ali you know, when he was in his mid-20s against Mike Tyson after, you know, he went to jail for three years, Ali would destroy him. Yep. So that's that's just it. Like, trying to make these comparisons, at the end of the day, let's just do this, right? Vladimir Klitschko is the greatest heavyweight of this generation. Yep. One of the greatest heavyweights of all time. Yep. If you want to pinpoint who you think the greatest heavyweight fighter of all time is, great. You want to say who's the greatest welterweight of all time, right? Who is it? Is it Sugar Ray Leonard? Right. Is it Floyd Mayweather? You know? Right. You can't do it. It's just it's just like you said, let's leave it where it is. Rate these guys for when they fight it against who they fight it. Don't yeah. compare. Comparisons are they're ridiculous. I mean, look, Floyd Mayweather when he was at 140 pounds never fought Costa Zoo. No. And the <laughs> widely considered the toughest 140 pounder of a almost 5-6 year stretch. And and also and 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 some say that he's the greatest 140 ever. Yeah. Okay? And here's the thing. Floyd moved up in weight right when Joel Casamayor was coming up. Right? So he never... Or, I'm sorry, vice versa, right? Right. And so he never fought Casamayor. And people think that that was... That might have been the fight that Floyd would have lost. Right. At that weight class. So there's too many things. Too many things. Yeah. To take into consideration. The fact remains is this. It's okay to be one to be 1A. One, one it's okay to be the second best fighter of a generation like Manny Pacquiao was. Right. Right? Yep. Does it, does, do you look at him in any no. less fashion? No are chance. You, are you surprised how you feel today after the result at all? No, not really, no. I, I, you know, I, I kind of got what, what I figured was going to happen. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, you know, I guess I'm surprised. I thought that I'd be more upset. Yeah? Yeah. I, see, I... But I'm so resolute in... And just, you know, I'm, you know how I am. Well, dude, I, I think it goes pretty much, it's time for boxing to turn the page. Yes, that's just it. I want both these guys to go away so badly. Yeah. I don't, I don't really want, I don't care to see who Mayweather fights. If he fights Thurman, there's a little interest there. But I, it really, it's going to be the same thing. I don't need to see it anymore. We, we know what it is. It, boxing would be better off to start showcasing 
the the myriad of young talent talented fighters that they have. I mean, Lomachenko's, Framptons, Crawford's, Verdejo's, so many exciting fighters. Let's focus on them. Absolutely, absolutely. I could not agree more. You know, I I just think overall. To, I woke up this morning and really last night after the fight, and I just I started to feel it around the seventh round of the fight. I just started thinking to myself. I started coming to grips with the reality is that just Floyd Mayweather is the best boxer of this era. Yep. You know, Manny Pacquiao is the best fighter of this exactly. era, and I'm I'm cool with that. Yep. So next up on the plate, right? Like you just said, we got Crawford, we got Canelo, we got Lomachenko, we got Chocolatito. Yep. Dude, we got so much young talent. And here's the thing: this next crop of young talent, I think, is far superior in talent and overall boxing skills mm-hmm. than what we've seen for the last 10 years. Dude, Lomachenko last night was insane. Unbelievable. We'll get to Lomachenko in a minute. But first, we go to the undercard as we, as we have completed now, our Mayweather versus Pacquiao. It's finally over. Oh, take God, a deep breath. exhale now? Yep. Jeez. You need to take a bathroom break? Okay. <laughs> that has been purged from our system. Thank God. I know. It feels, you feel relieved? It, I do, yes. We don't have to talk about it anymore. Nope. Thankful. Man, yes. let's move on to the future of boxing. Yes. Um, and we go to, uh, oh, I don't know. We're going to start with the undercard with a guy that has been under enormous scrutiny as of late. One At one time, two years ago, was considered one of boxing's probably ten brightest up-and-comers. They had a chance to run with this kid and turn him into a superstar, and they have completely ruined that. In 2012-13... Leo Santa Cruz, right? Yep. Last night, I gave him a new name. Tomato Canna Cruz. <laughs> Squared off against Jose Cayetano. I think he's a Home Depot employee. Yeah. And look. They go digging for these guys, don't they? Look, Vin, you and I did in the preview show announced that he was fighting a different guy. Yeah. Like, they literally just... How many... Uh, <laughs> How do you find a guy in the last second for the undercard of the biggest fight in the, of the last 30 years? And how, in, in turn, how does that guy not get KTFO'd? <laughs> and in typical PBC fashion, Santa Cruz moves up to featherweight and doesn't defend his belt. Yeah. Oh, hey. my gosh, man. Hey, man. Look, I didn't even score the fight. No. I no. didn't. I sat there and watched the same shit that we've been watching with Santa Cruz. Over and over and over again for his last four or five fights. And here's what I had in my notes. Usually I take very detailed notes, Vin. You know what I had? Four letters. Capital. P-O-O-P. <laughs> Straight up poop. Oh, steaming piles, buddy. Steaming piles of boring poop. And look, to be honest with you, I mean, I, I really, I kind of, was not focusing on that fight. I did not have my full focus because it's Santa Cruz. We know I don't need to see that. We've seen it the last five fights, it seems like. What in the hell? I mean, what's the plan with this kid? Are you going to take a risk? This can't keep going. Like, this has to be the last time. And we've said that the last three fights. Oh, but now he's going to fight Mares. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> now he's going to fight Mares, right? Give me a freaking break. Yeah, man. Um, I'll believe that when I see it. Mm-hmm. It does make sense considering the fact that, uh, you know, this vast stable of fighters by Al Heyman and the PBC, they're running out of damn matchups already. They are. You know, so this does sound like a summertime matchup, a matchup that, you know, 
I probably will not be watching. No. I'm pretty resolute moving forward about the PBC. So am I, man. You know, um, I'll watch Darrell DeGale because I'm a big James DeGale fan. I'm a big big fan of both of those guys. You know, yeah, so that's going to be uh, a chess match. Yeah, the, basically what, what it's going to boil down to with the PBC for me is if I'm a fan of the fighter, I'll watch. If, I could, if I'm not a big fan of them, yeah, moving on. Yep, exactly. And you know what? It's funny, man. I was sitting here thinking to myself, I was like, okay, what fight do I want to go to next? Right, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Well, shit." I was like, "Maybe I'll ask Vin if he wants to ride up to the uh, the Khan Algeri fight, right? Because it's it's free. All you got to do is sign up on one iota. You get free tickets. Do you really? Yeah, get, yeah, yeah, dude. One is- iota. Yeah, the PBC doesn't even, dude. They don't sell shit. Like they 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 are. There were more tickets actually physically sold to the Mayweather Pacquiao weigh in." Than all the PBC cards combined, they've given away. Wow! They've given away almost all of their tickets as soon as Khan Algieri was announced. Vince, as soon as it was announced, the tickets hadn't even been released for sale on Ticketmaster yet. It was already on one iota. Where, okay, I know we're kind of off on the beaten path here, but let me get this point out, and we'll and, and we'll get back to this uh, undercard. But okay. I heard an interview on another podcast with a guy who got tickets on one iota and went to the Anthony Durrell um, uh, Jack. Yeah, Badu Jack fight, right? So he got free tickets through one iota. And basically, it's like an extra staging kind of thing where they you know give away tickets so you can go and do their deed. They give you a free, they give you free water and, and free parking, right? And they tell you, okay, we, we, now we want you to move over here. Because the camera's going to be here. We want you to stand. All those people on the, on the PBC on Spike that are standing by the ramps that are jumping up and yelling and acting like they're, that those are their seats or something in an empty arena. Right. They're people that got free one iota tickets that they're, they're maneuvering, saying, okay, now we need you to go over here. Oh, my God. That is disgusting. Okay. And on top of it, before we get to this Lomachenko fight, from the same card, a journalist that was there to cover the fight, right, usually has... He was saying how when he goes to the fights, he's got in-and-out access from the locker rooms. They can go back and forth and said typically the best thing about getting the credentials for, for fights like this where you can go in and out, get interviews, talk to all the peoples in the camps and the promoters is you usually get a nugget for your next story. Like that's where you find your leads. Right. You know? Right. And so basically he said, okay, they weren't allowed to go in the locker rooms. The, lo- the locker rooms were off limits, so they were not allowed to interview the fighters at all. And then when the fight was over – all the journalists that were there that were credentialed were getting ready to go back back you know for the post fight interviews and a PR representative from the PBC comes out and handed out a sheet of paper with the quotes from the fighters after the fight what what is going on here what is going on here yeah, I, I, I I don't get it no i you know what man it is it is um that is ridiculous they're con- they're controlling the narrative to that extent yeah Unbelievable. So that, anyways, so I backtrack and I say, that's why then I immediately said, okay, no, actually, I don't want to go see. Oh, I'm not going to play puppet for them. No, absolutely not. Hell no. Somebody, if I, if I went there, you gave me free tickets and somebody said, hey, I need you to stand over here and cheer. Yeah, suck on this, buddy. <laughs> I'd, I'd run up in a ring and take a big old dump right, <laughs> right in the center of the ring. Stick a flag that says Al Heyman on it right in the middle. <laughs> 
Oh, that would be a sight right there, man. Somebody should do that. Seriously, somebody should do that. That would be. And then come on the show and tell us about it. Oh, man. So needless to say, um, yeah, uh, I'm I'm, I'm not sure what the next fight I'm going to go to is. The idea of free tickets was tempting. Yeah, it is. Especially considering how expensive they are. All right, let's uh, get back on track here and get to what I tweeted out before the fight, before Mayweather-Pacquiao. I sent out a tweet basically saying that, um, yeah, the best boxer uh, on this entire card is not going to be participating in the main event of the fight. And that is one, Vasily Lomachenko, arguably the greatest amateur boxer of all time, squared off against Gamalair Rodriguez, the number one contender, as rated by the WBO. Um any thoughts coming into this fight about Lomachenko? Were you just uh, frothing at the mouth to see your boy back in there? Yeah, I just want to see this dude fight, man. He is so clean, so crisp. He's got he's got a toolbox that is. I mean, I, there are so many damn tools in that thing. You, they're coming out of the top of it. I mean, this kid has got so much talent, skills in every aspect of the game that are they're world class, man. They just are. His footwork, his body punches, the way he drops that left behind the guard mm-hmm. this kid is that how about that the solar plexus shot yeah i mean right on the button that's a that's a punch that sugar ray leonard made, was made famous he'd do that all the time and put guys down this kid has got everything dude the the first round of the fight i was nervous i, I was i was like dude what is he doing he's just standing there yeah he was <laughs> I was like, is he nervous? Yeah, I I thought the same thing. I was like, wow, is this Rodriguez guy somebody that I don't that I need to know about that I didn't before? Yeah, I was just like, man, uh, Lomachenko needs to wake up. Yeah, um, and I you know I also thought to myself, I was like, I hope he is just sizing this dude up. Um, coming into the second round, Lomachenko was moving a little bit better. Rodriguez timing a power shot here and there, but was very very quick to hold, and that's when sort of the um, the the rough housing and the and the dirty tricks of Rodriguez started yeah. started to really impact this fight a lot. Robert Bird is so damn old now. He literally is just in the way of the camera. He doesn't even move. Like no. most most referees are circling the action. He just stands there. Yeah, he does. For the first two rounds, literally I was watching Robert Bird's back. <laughs> because it was like, dude, move. Like right. Like, what are you watching? You do realize that there's other stuff going on on the other side. Yeah, uh, he, he's a guy that's he's coming to the end of the road. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, the third round, oh, man. Uh, Lomachenko's foot speed was unbelievable. He disappears and reappears with a punch that Rodriguez has no idea that it's coming. Yeah, it's, it's man. It's he is like Houdini in there. He is, man. It's like, whoa, where'd he go? Oh, there he is. Pop! Yeah. You know, and it's too late. His... Defense blocking punches with his forearms is so silly, Vin. I was sitting there watching it in slow motion where he'll literally have his hands a little bit down. He'll throw a left, and he, he drops his right arm. The counterpunch comes from Rodriguez, and literally he does this thing where, let's say his forearm is parallel to the ground. Mm-hmm. It, will, it will literally become perpendicular. He'll just be like, ting, and just throw it up. Out of nowhere, blocking punches like they're just like ting ting ting. Yeah, man. I mean, I've never seen somebody block punches like that. No. His parrying, like when every time Rodriguez would throw a punch, he would he would just reject it like a like 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 the like the Kimbe Matumbo wagging his finger defending the goal. <laughs> right. Like, no, get that out of here. I'm telling you, man. I, I this kid has more skills than anybody in boxing right now, in my opinion. Fighters don't utilize the parry that much. No, they don't. You know. Not anymore. 
It's, it, I mean, it's so effective. I don't know why you wouldn't. I thought the story about Lomachenko was really interesting about how, you know, his father was a fighter that basically, you know, he was just there boxing as a small child watching his father. Then mm -hmm. he would just start punching the bags, and that's basically all he ever knew. I mean, you can tell. It looks like he came out of the womb boxing. <laughs> <I'm> seriously. <laughs> hey, he's kicking. No, he's actually throwing a jab. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, unbelievable accuracy. Mastery in the fourth round. Footwork superb. The fifth round, man, I was like, stop the damn fight, dude. He was literally just toying with Rodriguez. Rodriguez was finally penalized for a low blow, but the peppering of accuracy was unbelievable. In the sixth round, Rodriguez was just, just, just fully embarrassed. You could see it all over his face, constantly grabbing, constantly fouling, trying to lock Lomachenko's hand. The funny part was, we saw in Lomachenko's last fight against Piri Pino, when he broke his hand, he fought the entire rest of the fight with one hand. And looked Excellent. <laughs> yeah, you're going to have to tie both his hands behind his back. Yeah. Now, I'm sure he probably throws a mean uppercut with a headbutt, too. <laughs> right. You know, So I don't even know if that would work. <laughs> um, yeah, man. So in the seventh round, Lomachenko just drops Rodriguez with a right hook to the kidney, followed up by a straight left to the gut. He was wincing and just keeling over from the pain. Yeah. I was screaming at the TV. My wife is sitting there going, throw in the towel. Yeah, it, it, it was the not even fair, the level of, of fighter that was... <laughs> That was going against each other in that fight. Rodriguez, his fate had been sealed. Let's just move on. Yeah, absolutely. Another point docked in the eighth round for a low blow. Lomachenko was just absolutely annihilating him at this point, landing 30 of 67 power shots, um, and Rodriguez, 4 of 32. I mean, it was just like, it was really, really embarrassing at that point. In the ninth Round body shots followed up by a huge right hook from Lomachenko. A left to the body and a straight right down the pipe drops Rodriguez back to a knee. Rodriguez had no plans of no. getting up. No. And that was it. A knockout in the ninth round. Vasily Lomachenko. Um, let now, me just say something. According ahead, to Pauly. According to Pauly. Yeah. Don't get ahead of yourself now, Ken. Yeah. He's not that good. No, no, he's not. <laughs> yeah, um, you could clearly tell that Paulie Malinaji, my 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 closest and dearest friend, <laughs> and uh, Lennox Lewis had not been following or watching the career of Vasily Lomachenko very closely. We all know that Paulie Malinaji has an inferiority complex, basically rooted in the fact that every guy that has dominated and embarrassed and brought. Uh, Malinaji to tears in the post-fight press conferences, got knocked out by Manny Pacquiao. Right. So his hatred of people that are superior to him at the sport is, um, except for Floyd, because he's swinging from a, a really, really long, curly pube, just dangling, <laughs> going, <"Wee!" laughs> jumping from pube to pube in between Heyman and, and Floyd. Going, you know what I mean? He's like Tarzan down yeah, there. Yeah, man. Huh? Oh, man. Unbelievable. Um, yeah, so the comments after the fight from from him saying, uh, yeah, he's got. A, they're bringing him along too fast. He's got. He's got a. You know, we need to slow down with this guy. Come on, dude. He's a freaking world champion in five fights. I bet you he would wipe the floor with Paulie, and he's oh, twenty pounds lighter. Easily, he would wipe the floor with him. Oh, easily. I love it. I love it. The jealousy. The jealousy. The <laughs> hatred. Oh, uh, what a what a putz Paulie Malinaji is. <laughs> Just uh, ungrateful. That's why they stuck your sorry ass up in the rafters for the fight. Ooh, I love it. We shall no longer speak the name of Paulie Malinaji. Hey, I'm good with that. Yeah, those uh, the the one that we shall not speak of. We call him from here on out uh, the slanderer. <laughs> okay. Anyways, so now that does it for uh, the undercard of Mayweather versus Pacquiao. And um, overall impression from the entire evening, 
it did not deliver, but the anticipation made it a virtual impossibility. Um, the most, uh, the thing I was most impressed with uh, the the entire evening was Lomachenko and Lomachenko, his basic his humility, basically yeah. saying that I should not be ranked in anybody's pound for pound list until I uh, continue to wipe the floor with uh, you know top notch opponents, and also did uh, concede to. Uh, an impending and just an unavoidable, unavoidable matchup with um, knockout artist Nicholas Walters. Oh, yeah. That, ex- that that fight is number one on my radar, quickly becoming number one on my radar. Right yeah. Now. And you know what? And truth be told, Lomachenko should follow the same exact game plan as Gennady Golovkin. You know what? If they, won't, if they don't want to step in the ring with him, just keep fighting four times a year. Yep. By the time he is Triple G's age, you know, six, seven years from now, He'll have a nice shiny, you know, thirty wins under under his belt. But um, yeah, I think uh, the plan is is uh, is to make Lomachenko as big a star as possible as soon as possible. Top ranks got a hold of him, so I'm sure they'll 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 take care of business. Right before the fight, you see Lomachenko signed a five year extension with Top Rank. Wow, no, yep. I didn't see that. It's a long contract. Yes, it is. So that takes that pretty much puts uh, Lomachenko under Top Rank control for the entire length of the prime of Lomachenko's Good. career. I'm, I'm glad he did that. Yeah, me too. Me too. All right, so let's move on to back to the real world, okay, and back to the to the uh, the biggest fight card and the um, the one that we're uh, looking forward to to take us into the rest of 2015 as the return of the golden boy, the cinnamon kid from Mexico. Canelo Alvarez squares off against James Kirkland. At Minute Maid Park in Houston, Texas, so much about this fight when it was announced, so much forgotten about this fight yeah. from Mayweather and Pacquiao, but now we get to turn our focus to this as the um, the spectacle is over. Canelo and Kirkland, this is the antithesis of Mayweather-Pacquiao. It certainly okay, is. Okay, this is where Mayweather-Pacquiao was the unattainable, unaffordable ticket. This is... Along the lines of Matisse Provodnikov, an affordable ticket. This is a fight for the fans. Yes. Okay? Um, they're fighting in a baseball stadium, Minute Maid Park. That should be an awesome, awesome scene. Yeah, I think so too, man. Um, Canelo has sold out large, large scale. Um, he sold out the Alamo Dome against uh, his fight against Austin Trout. James Kirkland being from Texas, um, the... the pretty much guarantee that this is just going to be two trains colliding full speed at one another makes for almost in the end, the affordability of the tickets. You can pretty much say that this is going to be a can't miss fight. Can't you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're feeling like you got a uh, kind of raked over the coals with this Mayweather Pacquiao stuff the past week, this is, this is the fight that, Hey man, this will, I, there, there's a guarantee. It's not, there, this is going to be a brawl. You got two fighters that are hungry, big punchers, it's going to give you everything that you didn't get this this past Saturday. It really is. All right, so what are your first thoughts about this fight, then? I think it is – I give Canelo – once again, I give Canelo props for, for picking fighters that, that pose a threat. Absolutely. I mean, because Kirkland is just a savage, man. I, it, it's a scary thought. when If you watch video of James Kirkland or you when, you, when you're watching one of his fights – you can just see the just the malice and just oh, the, dude. It, it, it's like you you wanted to fight this guy. God damn, he yeah. is a beast. It's a brutal brutal proposition. Yeah, it is. You know, and it's a it's a scary proposition. Um, 
let's get down to really the keys to this fight. Okay, we 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 have an understanding of what's going to happen here. This yeah. is going to be a fight. Yes. Okay. The number one thing in most people's minds that could impact the number one factor that could impact the outcome of this fight and the success of James Kirkland is going to be the very obvious, obvious, empty corner. No Ann Wolf. What does this mean to James Kirkland's chances against Kid Cinnamon? You know, she she controlled him in, in training camps and made him work unbelievably hard and got the most out of him. I mean, we saw in the one fight that he wasn't with her, Ashita floored him in the first round. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that's another thing that you, that you have noticed with Kirkland is – he needs to get out of the first couple rounds. He, he needs to get into the fight. Oh, that dude, the opening rounds of the Tapia fight. Yeah, he looks like he comes out to the ring like they woke him up from a nap on the couch and he walked out. He's never, <laughs> he's never sweating. He's never, you know, yeah. doesn't look like he was back there working. <laughs> I, I'll tell you what, man. I, I really don't understand why he would go away from Wolf in this fight. Because, look. Dude, this is a huge. This is the biggest fight he has ever been in by yeah, far. Yeah, you win this fight, buddy. You're you're talking about doing some big things. Why? 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 Ken? Why? Ne- never been a guy that's been accused of making good decisions. No, you know, no. And this is this is the fight of his life. Now, you know, look, I still think regardless of who's in the corner, um, Kirkland has a puncher's chance in this fight. Oh yeah. Okay, but at the same time, Kirkland will. It's almost a 100% guarantee, and Wolf or no Ann Wolf, that James Kirkland's going to hit the canvas in this fight. Oh, yeah. You know? Um, how long this fight goes, we do not know. Ann Wolf's notorious, just rigorous training camps that you touched on have gotten James Kirkland in tip-top condition, given him the ability to come back from um, you know, these, these early-round struggles mm-hmm. and have benefited him. The fact that she stays in his ass in the corner – that she can really, really get him motivated when he needs it most. Like you said, she's the one that's smacking him or throwing the cold, the you know, the bucket of cold water on him while he's sleeping on the couch to wake his ass right. up. Right. You know, and now, and now, she's not there. We'll see. Maybe this is a good change. Maybe right. he, he needed less stress. You know, the fact is, is that James Kirkland has been wildly inactive. Oh my God, this, he didn't fight for what a year and a half. Yeah, and this is only going to be his third fight since the Angulo fight in 2011. Yeah, that's okay? serious inactivity. Yeah, and you're going to come into a fight against a young, strong bull mm-hmm. and Canelo Alvarez. And like you said, look, this has been the signature of the of the resurgence, the reemergence, the rebirth of Golden Boy Promotions under the direction of their newly sobered Oscar De La Hoya. The original Golden Boy fought everybody, stepped in the ring with everybody. The today's Golden Boy, okay, Saul Canelo Alvarez, 5 foot 9 inch junior middleweight, okay? is cut from the definition of what Golden Boy wants to do moving forward. Step into the ring. Erislandi Lara, Alfredo Angulo, Floyd Mayweather. Come on, man. Yeah, uh, you cannot question that list. You know, and here's the thing. And dude, Let's just keep on bringing it back. Okay, look, look. Shane Mosley, Jose Cito Lopez, Austin Trout. He's been in the ring with the best in and around his weight at such a young age. And it doesn't matter, like... We all knew going into the Canelo-Mayweather fight that that was a horrible mismatch. We knew the Lara fight was even a worse mismatch. Yep. You know? He takes it because this kid is the definition of hashtag dare to be 
fucking great. I'm so excited for this fight. Mm-hmm. This could you could not have built a better fight outside of a Canelo Cotto fight yep. for the fight on May 9th, the week after Mayweather Pacquiao. No, this is the perfect follow up. The chance of the letdown and the, and the you know little bit of a letdown you may have thought you got. This is the fight right here that will bring bring boxing back. You'll go back in your good graces. You'll be like, ah, I knew, but I knew I watched boxing for some reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, and the fans will uh, will will benefit from it. There's no doubt about yes. it. Part of the deal um, with Miguel Cotto's upcoming fight against Daniel Gill. Uh, from HBO was, is, you know what, we'll, we'll foot the bill on this fight, but you're going to have to uh, make the Canelo fight happen. Um, Cotto had talked about a step-aside fee to pay Triple G, um, and that negotiation had taken place. What the resolution is to that, I'm not exactly sure, but I think it's pretty clear that, uh, that Miguel Cotto could care less about the belt. Yeah. Um, he's got his three-fight deal that's going to close out his career with Rock Nation. He's getting paid $17 million per fight, which is just unbelievable that he was able to strike that deal. Yeah, that's, that's insane. It's, it is insane. But to be able to foot the bill and justify it in the eyes of HBO and, and, and Rock Nation, Rock Nation's going to have some expectations from it, right, is that we will more than likely, it's almost a, uh, let's just say it's about 99% guaranteed that Cotto uh, gave assurances that Canelo will be fighting um, Miguel Cotto versus Canelo, the Mexico-Puerto Rico rivalry reincarnated. But here's the thing, man. Let me ask you this question then. To me, not so much, right? It doesn't make any difference to me whatsoever. Is What happens if Canelo gets knocked out in the third round of this fight against Kirkland? Does that take any of the luster away from a, a Canelo-Cotto fight? No, because Canelo's the type of fighter that he'll in that fight, whether he lost in the third round or not, he got knocked out, he's... So entertaining, yeah. and, and he's going to bring so much to the table. You're going to want to see him fight next time. That's just the type of fighter he is. I don't think that hurts that matchup at all. No, neither do I. I think it's in the same. Like, do you do you feel like now after Matisse Provodnikov, you're like, I don't want to see Provodnikov again. Like, I'm, I'm me personally. I can't wait to see him again. Yeah, are you kidding me? Yeah, I mean, look, these guys that lay it out uh, all on the line, losses don't mean much. No, you uh, know that's boxing needs to steer itself towards that. I don't care if you lost four fights. Yeah. What did you do in your last fight? Yeah, and, 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 and that you said, I think Canelo realizes, and there has never really been an emphasis like, okay, I need belts. Right. Like, Canelo has always just wanted to fight the best. The belts will come for yeah. this kid. He will probably reign as middleweight champion once, once Triple G steps aside. Mm-hmm. He'll probably be the middleweight champion, and that may be the plan in the long game for Golden Boy anyways, is that Canelo reign because he is the heir. Once Cotto retires... And Triple G goes off into the sunset. There's just going to be one one man standing there at that age that can reign for the next ten years. He knows the time's coming. He's been a champion, you know. I think that's another reassuring thing about it is he he's been champion, lost his belt to Floyd, and he'll have the op- plenty. This guy's like this kid's a cash cow. We got ten more years at least. Yeah, yeah, and he is truly um, one of the next great pay per view stars in boxing. Yeah, you know, and I think you can look forward to, you know. Canelo, Triple G, Terrence Crawford carrying that mantle of pound-for-pound stars um, and uh, and pay-per-view stars, more more importantly as the bottom line is concerned for top-ranked K2 and all of the good guys of the sport moving forward. Uh, prediction for the fight, Vin? It's a tough one to predict because Kirkland's so unpredictable. But what I'm going to say is that this fight is going to be a brawl at times. And I think you're going to see that later on in the fight at some point, middle round somewhere, Canelo is going to start 
to box him a little bit. Uh-huh. He's going to realize that, look, I can box this guy to death. He's there to be hit. He's very poor defensively. It's going to carry him to what I think will be either ninth, tenth round stoppage of, of Kirkland. Yeah, I um, I tend to agree with you, and and for a lot of the same reasons. I think Canelo can pump the jab out and keep Kirkland off of him when he needs to. There's going to be moments when it's just going to be un- unavoidable. Un- oh yeah, un- you know, undeniable action. Canelo's biggest. Um, vulnerability in this fight is allowing Kirkland to get in range to throw those uppercuts, Yep. you know, because that's really where Kirkland can do the damage is, is, is his combination when he starts to throw the hook to the uppercut is, is, is deadly for, for any opponent. I, I think Canelo too. I mean, we, you know, we haven't really seen him get caught a whole lot, but I think he's got a pretty sturdy beard on him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think he proved that he got caught a couple times against, against Laura and um, it, not so much. I mean, he pretty much just absolutely embarrassed Alfredo and Golo. That was one of the most lopsided victories of Canelo's I think James, young career. James Kirkland put the end to uh, started the end to Angulo's career with that beat down. He gave him. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. There's no doubt about that um, at all. My prediction for this fight is that Ann Wolf will be the difference in this fight. Mm-hmm. Um, the lack of Ann Wolf in the corner um, James Kirkland comes out firing, blows his wad, and Canelo Alvarez knocks out James Kirkland in the fifth round. In the fifth? Yep. Mm, yep. Damn. I just think that I, I tend to agree with those that know James Kirkland um, the most, and uh, one being Gabe Montoya, who's always been uh, had uh, extreme access and a strong relationship um, and was around um, Ann Wolf and James Kirkland as he came up through the ranks, and he tends to believe without Ann Wolf that this is kind of an impossibility. So I, I tend to take the advice of somebody that uh, is kind of in the know when it comes to Kirkland, and I just feel like if he's not in that Ann Wolf kind of shape, he's been inactive way too long. Canelo pops him. It's kind of like the conversation that you hear um, when talking about looking back into the into the past fights of the. Uh, uh, I think it was Freddie Roach that said it in the uh, De La Hoya Pacquiao fight. The fight was over after the first punch. Yeah. You know, yep. and that could very well be the case. But here's the deal, man. I think it's a 50 50 chance. Kirkland's got a puncher's chance in this fight. Oh, he definitely does. He definitely does. Uh, there's no way that Canelo can go into this fight and thinking, I got nothing to worry about here. <laughs> this, this guy is going to be on top of you, and it is going to be something. The pressure that he brings is, it's unlike anybody, really. It, it, it is. I, the best w- word to describe his style is just savage, man. He's oh, a, absolutely. He's a beast. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that is a great, um, uh, a great adjective for he is, uh, man. Yeah, he is uh, r- r- unrelenting for sure. So uh, I'm excited for uh, for Canelo Kirkland, Vin, um, and uh, I think most boxing fans they can breathe a long sigh of relief that the mega fight is over, and now we can move forward into Canelo Kirkland and then the following week also on HBO. I, I hate to break it to you, Omar Figueroa. I know you're fighting on the same day, but we ain't previewing your fight against Ricky Burns because the PBC on CBS, I could care less about. I could absolutely care less about any of those fights. Ricky Burns is pretty much a shot fighter at He's this point. He's chopped liver at yeah. this point, dude. He's there He's there for Omar Figueroa yep. to knock out. So, I, I yeah, look, you're fighting on the same day as Canelo in the same state. Where are all the fans going to be? <laughs> you know what I mean? Brilliant, Mr. Heyman. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, let's put this kid uh, that nobody knows about 
um, on a card in Texas when Canelo and James Kirkland are fighting. Not to mention some of the brightest young Mexican, Mexican-American prospects in boxing fight for Golden Boy and are on the undercard of Canelo versus Kirkland. Before we get to the undercard, we just want to do a little recap real quick. Vin is saying that Kid Cinnamon, Canelo, by way of late round stoppage, uh, will seal the deal. And I think a James Kirkland blows his wad early and the Golden Boy knocks him out in the fifth round. So there's our predictions for Canelo versus Kirkland. On the undercard, highly, highly touted prospects. Frankie Gomez and Jojo Diaz square off in separate bouts. Um, For those out there that are not familiar, have not caught these guys on Fox Sports 1 on Golden Boy Live, make sure you turn in, uh, tune in for Frankie Gomez and Jojo Diaz's fight. I'll tell you what, at uh, at Super Bantamweight, Jojo Diaz is a bright, bright prospect. Yeah, I'm looking forward to see what he does moving forward. Uh, also on the undercard, Joshua Clotty returns to the ring. Yeah. Wow. I, 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 who knows what you're going to get from this guy. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you what, Ken. He's got the greatest ring walk in the history of ring walks. Yeah. His walk against Pacquiao. Yeah. <laughs> you need a laugh, put that shit on. <laughs> you heard it first right there. <laughs> If you need a laugh, the ring walk of Joshua Clotty. Maybe uh, there should be more uh, that the PBC can take notes from that for sure since they're struggling so hard with their ring walk. (laughs) Um, Also on the undercard and not televised is the the return of the mountain, Taishan Dong. Oh, God. Yeah, man. Freak Uh, freak show, huh? Yeah, I think he wears like like 36-ounce gloves because his hands are so big. He knocks people out with jabs. Yeah, I know, man. (laughs) but it should be a pretty action-packed undercard, to say the least. Uh, Frankie Gomez comes into this fight at 23 years old, man, 18-0 and 0 with 13 knockouts, uh, squared off against Humberto Soto, and Jojo Diaz squares off against Giovanni Delgado. Um, and at 15-0 with 10 knockouts, the kid from Downey, California, has a bright future ahead of him for sure. So I think that will do it for the preview of Alvarez Kirkland from Minute Maid Park next Saturday night on HBO. A few announcements. First thoughts, Andre Ward, comeback fight, squaring off against Paul Smith. Uh, it's easy money. White guy, ver- I mean, black guy versus a white guy on BET. <laughs> <laughs> did, did that cross your mind at all? I didn't, but that is freaking hilarious. Yeah, we're going to fight on BET. Uh, pick a white guy. A white guy that Ward's going to just run circles around. BET is putting on a fight, huh? Yeah. That's, that's, you never thought you'd see that. No, no, we didn't. The debut of Felix Verdejo your favorite prospect, and uh, uh, man, he's he's right there with uh, with 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 Anthony Joshua um, for my favorite. Makes his HBO debut June thirteenth on the undercard in the co-feature of a Nicholas Walters fight with the opponent yet to be determined from the theater room I, I at Madison wait. Square Garden. I can't wait, Ken. I, I people, I want everybody to see this kid. He, he just coming off a, a beautiful fifth round, just destruction. Another knockout. The kid has everything you want to see from a fighter. He is unbelievable. Yeah, he's scary, man. He, yeah. you know, he, he could have knocked out that guy in in probably the first thirty seconds of the fight. If oh he yeah. To. I yeah. mean, he was just practicing, toying with him. But he'll square off against Ivan Najera. Um, you know, really the thing for Verdejo, I think um, he's there, there's no doubt that he is the heir apparent to Miguel Cotto. Oh yeah. As far as uh, 
the next great Puerto Rican fighter. The thing is, is that uh, Verdejo has yet to be in the ring with anybody that can hit back. So that's going to be a key to see how he uh, how he takes a punch. Yeah, and I think we're going to get a couple more fights of him probably not facing fighters like that. They're gonna they're gonna showcase him a couple knockouts on HBO before mm-hmm. they take a risk. Oh, absolutely. Um, but there's no looking back now. No, nope. I think that they'll probably sprinkle in a few fights on Unimas here and there. But I think moving forward, Felix Verdejo is about to break onto the scene. And you know what? Now's the time. As we spoke before. It's time to start focusing on the future of professional yep. prize fighting. You're exactly right. Um, there's no doubt about that. So, well, I think um, that's going to about wrap it up here as uh, <sighs> take a big old sigh of relief. Hey, it feels good to be 48 and 0. We're also undefeated, right? That's right, buddy. 48 <laughs> and 0. So, I guess that will do it for episode 48 of the Tale of the Tape Boxing podcast so next week on episode 49 right it's canelo kirkland post fight looking forward to breaking down all the action from minute maid park in houston texas we'll also be previewing hbo's fight card from the forum in inglewood california triple g gennady golovkin returns to the ring to square off against willie monroe as he defends his wba middleweight title also on the undercard chocolatita roman gonzalez one of the best pound for pound fighters in the world defends his ring and wbc undisputed flyweight titles against edgar sosa the number four rated flyweight by the ring looking forward to episode 49 then oh yeah i mean I, i gotta love talking about triple g buddy Absolutely. So that'll do it for episode 48 of the Tale of the Tape. Be sure to drop by theboxingrant.com for all the archived episodes of the show. For my co-host, Vince Cummings, who you can follow on Twitter, at VinceCummings81. I'm your host, Kenny Keith. And you've been listening to the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast here on theboxingrant.com.